Stress, and especially fostering stressors, can bring out the worst in us and cause a lot of marriage conflict. On today's episode, we get into how to work through all of that. That's coming up next. Welcome to the Fostering Marriage Podcast, the podcast devoted to helping you keep your marriage the priority and make fostering fit into it, not the other way around. Today we are talking about recognizing and working through bad responses to each other as a result of stress and the things that trigger you. So I say let's just get into it. When you're fostering, there's tons of stressors. The stressors uh, that the main load bearer can have, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, in episode 13 we talked about uh, splitting the load of fostering, particularly the mental load, but really splitting the load. But one person so often carries a lot of that, and that brings a lot of stressors, whether that's just chaotic schedules you're trying to, you know, figure out, or paperwork that you now have to do, or conversations that you're you're having, and therapies that you're trying to make sure you're at, and practicing throughout the week, you know, whatever was learned, parenting a child with trauma. I mean, there's so much that goes into building up stress if you're the main load bearer. But even the the spouse who is not the main load bearer, they still have stressors. They're still parenting these these children as well. They could be carrying a load that's emotional, um, you know, just all the emotions that come with that. Um, Their own parenting challenges, they may be worrying about the other spouse who's struggling or who has the bulk of the responsibility. They may feel guilt or responsible for the well-being of the other person. They may even have shame because they don't know what to do to help these situations. Another thing is all of us have triggers. They ha- We have things that can trigger us that has nothing to do with fostering. It's stuff from our root system. Yeah, so a lot of these triggers is that you don't even have to be married or or be fostering to be triggered by stuff. And when we say triggers, if you're not familiar with that terminology, it's when something affects you. It's like you you take in information, it's a conversation, someone says something to you, or you experience something um, in life, or it's a, you go you're in a car wreck, and like boom, it's like it triggers you into this place that you've never been before in terms of your where your mind goes and where your emotions go is that there's a trigger that happens. And then after that trigger, there is some kind of a response. There can be an emotional response. There's a mental response. There can be things you say, how you feel, all these different responses that come from these triggers. Well, you know, as you say, root system, um, that I've, I've talked about this once or twice on the podcast before, but root system is this whole analogy that I teach in my professional job on Chris Licurdo's team, uh, where I'm a leader and, and a facilitator of coaching programs and, and personal coaching programs and things like that. Well, Root System is this whole framework and analogy of helping people understand why they think, react, respond, and make decisions the way that they do. And Root System has everything to do with triggers and what triggers us. Because it's a, well, I'm experiencing X, Therefore, I get triggered and I respond in this way. 
And so this is where the root system is all about understanding the why behind the what. So root system is this whole wine um, growing and wine making analogy. So think of it this way is that you have deposits in your life and you have your, your childhood was the way that it was. Your parents were the way that they were. Your siblings were the way that they were. You went through different things in your life in terms of your life story. And all of this stuff shapes us. And it shapes the way that we think. It shapes the way that we protect ourselves. It shapes the way that we respond and react to different situations. So to understand why is so critical to, to moving past what we struggle with. Because we can understand some things at just the surface level, and that's good enough to move past it or to, or to get rid of it or practice a new habit. Other times, we need to understand why we do what we do. And then the clarity on what we do plus why we do it, that's the thing that really is like, oh my gosh, okay, now that I know why, that becomes the step, the piece of information that really then helps us change what we're doing or how we're thinking, or it helps us manage ourselves more effectively. So, so many of our triggers come from our past, is, is in summary, as we can put it that way. So this is where doing that kind of work, and we can't do that on a podcast episode, but you doing that work in your life is so worth it because it's so life-changing to understand that, wow, I'm a heavily trained person or I've learned to protect myself and communicate and respond and react in these ways because I really come by it honestly. Yeah, there's. it's so funny because I think about how many things, after I'd gone through my next level life, you know, just how many things I'm like, man, I didn't even see that this is why I did this or that or why that particular thing over there just upset me for what would seem to somebody else for no reason at all. But there was a reason. It's just it wasn't obvious. And so knowing that, and like you said, you know, each person doing their their work on on figuring out all that is is really important. Um, but also personality styles come into play here. You know, we had episodes five and six about that. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those if you have not. And even if you have and you want a refresher, you know, by all means, please do that. Because somebody who's an opposite personality or a different personality style than me may say something or do something. But in my personality style, I receive it differently than they meant it. You know, whether it's an S receiving a D as being so harsh or a D receiving an S as this person can't just make a decision already. And there are these triggers that personalities can bring up. Yeah. So like, for instance, my personality style is being a, what's a high influencing personality style, very relational, very people focused. Well, a downside to being a high I is that in my immaturity, in my personality style, is that I don't take criticism very well or what feels like criticism. And then that can be a trigger mm -hmm. because it can be a, hey, Joel, let me point this thing out to you that you're doing that's a wrong response or it's contributing to conflict. And where my brain can go is straight to you're accusing, attacking, judging, or rejecting me because high eye personality styles will do that. Well, then where can that lead a person? defensiveness, anger, victim mentality, lashing back out at the person that's giving them feedback. And then all of a sudden we're off to the races. And now that person is, is like, oh my gosh, what is happening with Joel? 
he cannot handle that feedback at all. And But really where a person's going to be is now I'm being attacked and accused and we're in this argument and this fight that's now awful. And because Joel, I, I thought that was going to be an easy thing for me just to tell him that. And then he flew off the handle and went crazy. And yeah. that's, that is because it's personality style. Now, there's also a major root system thing involved there of certain deposits in my past in my life that would also further help explain why would I react so violently, you know, if you will, or so viscerally to feedback that someone could be giving because my personality style takes it as you hate me or you're rejecting me and you're attacking me. And in my mind, I can go to, you know, that you think that I'm this terrible person and that isn't right and that isn't fair and all of this And all I did was ask you to take the trash out. (laughs) All this illogical thinking and then I I go into major self-protection mode. Now, this is a very extreme example, but it's an example that showcases a trigger. Yeah. And then I, I I was perfectly fine, which I usually term baseline. And then boom, trigger happens. And then the stress response comes into my brain and my body. And then here comes all the stuff that I now communicate because I'm responding and reacting according to the trigger and where my thinking and where my brain went because of my personality style or because of my past life experiences all the way back to childhood. So let's get into just bad responses. And I think we all basically know, I think what we're meaning on that, but just for clarity, you know, bad responses are things like when you go anger, like most anger that a lot of people say, it's like, oh, that's perfectly fine. No, it's not. A lot of it's toxic and it's a very unhealthy because it is an out of control response or it's a victim mentality response where you become angry with somebody. So a lot of anger is not healthy and it's, it's a bad response. Defensiveness, levels of frustration, um, fighting to be right, people pleasing, passivity or submissiveness, not in a place of selflessness and service, but a place of just unworthiness. These are all just bad responses, lashing out, bad response guilting, shaming, manipulating, passive aggressiveness. These are all bad responses that we all can carry and that we need to learn and be able to recognize in ourselves like, oh my gosh, wow, I do that. Because then we can more realize when we're triggered, that when we're triggered, we we start to learn, well, where do I go when I'm triggered? What are my emotions and where does my brain go so that you can start operating with a higher level of self-awareness. If you can't detect your trigger or realize your responses, how are you ever going to change them? This is why we're highlighting this today, is that we need to be able to realize that, boom, I'm triggered, I'm off baseline, I'm feeling a stress response in my body, something's wrong. Or I may be feeling hurt. You know what? You're triggered. There was a trigger. Why am I feeling hurt? Why am I feeling like this? Those are such healthy places to go in your mind to be thinking about why am I feeling and thinking the way that I am right now? All of this information is the importance, is the beginning of self-management. Is that all of this is the now, wow, now when I have greater self-awareness on my triggers and where my brain goes and what my emotions are and you can label them and put labels and vocabulary on them, it crystallizes it. It becomes clarity that, oh, that's what I'm doing. 
that my mind goes to this place. So when you are able to recognize these kinds of things, if you're communicating with your spouse, you're able to, you have now have the option to pause the conversation, is to stop what's going on because you recognize you're triggered and your responses are poor or they're about to be poor and you're operating in great responsibility for yourself. You're not just, let me, I'm just going to let it rip now and I'm just going to let you have it or I'm going to unload or get this off my chest or all these things we do and that's what we say what we're doing is we're being more unhealthy. And we're not managing ourselves well. And this comes back to practicing great self-discipline and great self-control in those moments when you're triggered. But that's where we're going with this. That's where we go. Is that we go, is we're trying to get better, we're trying to grow, and we're so that we can communicate in better ways with the most important person in our life, and that's our spouse. And that's so we can work through these things. But this is what where it leads is to great levels of personal responsibility where you recognize that it's like you with humility that gosh I'm just I'm messed up right now. I'm feeling these things and I'm thinking these things and that's when you can pause the conversation so that you can regroup and then come back to the conversation. Because to continue on as we all know is sometimes the worst possible decision that you can make and then you worsen it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to make things worse. So I'd love to just hang out in that pausing the conversation and regrouping spot for a minute. One thing that I found incredibly helpful, especially as I was really learning how to be responsible for my own responses, is just ask myself a bunch of questions. What is bothering me? What's the real problem? And then further, why? Why is that a problem? And so it's just trying to figure out, maybe you're taking, for me, a lot a lot of times, I just love to go for a walk or just sometimes, it used to be that I would journal, but now it's more of a go for a walk kind of thing. But whatever works for you, where you can go and you can just process on, why is this bothering me? What is the real issue? Is it this little thing that you've brought up or is there a deeper thing that you're struggling with? Or, you know, maybe you just did this whole dump on your spouse and they're going on to try to fix things and you now get just so mad or out of control because you're just like would you stop trying to fix things I just want somebody to share things with why won't you share why won't you just listen to me and it can be this thing that now further frustrates you because now you feel like you're you're just feeling out of control and so what is it that you want? Do you want to be heard? Do you want somebody just to listen to you? Do you want somebody to offer solutions? And they weren't offering solutions. They were just sitting there passively listening. And you're like, will you just speak up? Will you just, you know, help me out here? But unfortunately, most of our spouses are not mind readers. And so they don't know what we want. They don't know deeply what's wrong we need to figure that out you know another great question to ask is am i let me jump in here real quick before you move on what if if someone's listening to this and they're thinking or they're married to someone that's like i don't get the whole the person that says i just want you to listen and i they just don't get that at all what value does it bring to the person that just wants to communicate and share things they're struggling through or or whatever it may be 
but without any solution, no fix, no reply, because what value does that bring to the person who's sharing? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, there's this connected feeling, this you hear me, you understand me, you know where I'm coming from, and therefore there's this unity, as opposed to you don't know where what I'm experiencing, you don't know what my day is like, and you have your day going on, and I have my day going on, and we don't know what is really happening in each other's lives. So I think something that's so powerful that you said there is the word connected is that for people that don't come from connection or that we have learned that adults that don't come from um, a childhood where they were well bonded and well connected with their parents, that they can go on to struggle with having connected relationships or struggle with empathy or struggle with when people are sharing like, oh, that makes me feel bonded or connected to you that those kinds of people can be like, I don't get that because of where they come from in yeah. their life. And then they they bring that into relationships. Those kinds of people tend to be very good at compartmentalizing emotions or, or literally because they've learned to cut off certain mm-hmm. ways of feeling yeah. because they had to in order to survive as the human body wants to survive early on in life. And that's now become who they are. And therefore, in relationships, they can contribute to conflict because it's like, I don't get it when you say you just want to connect or just sit here with me or just share your feelings because in that person's experience, they literally don't understand it because we've got to be able to learn and see, well, what is it about me that I don't see value in that? And that's why I wanted to highlight this and ask you this question and really circle around this whole concept of bonding and connection because it's a different level of a human experience. And some of us did not have that human experience well in our childhood. So it's a thing that we don't even focus on. We don't even notice it because we don't even notice that it's missing yeah. in our life because we've never known it. Yeah, I I love that you you paused here and brought this up because it just made me think, okay, let's say you're the spouse that values that connectivity and you're married to somebody who didn't experience that and so you're not feeling that with your spouse one great thing is even just to know that about them and to recognize that about them to recognize this is going to be a difficult thing for them and so that when you see them trying you're not like (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're not giving me the, the the connection that I I want. Are they trying? Are they growing in that area? You know, because that that is something that, you know, we want to give grace to our spouses because yeah, nobody's exactly. perfect. And and we are we're very different people. Yeah. And we're very complex, let alone its root systems and personality styles. And did you have a connected childhood or not? And we are so complex and The more that I learn about science and and neuroscience of the brain, it is like we don't know anything. (laughs) And there's a lot of amazing information and discoveries of what we know about the human brain and the way that we function and operate. But new things are being learned all the time that we are an incredibly 
complex person. And somebody right now is saying, heck yeah, we are, Joel. <laughs> I'm married to one. I'm married to a complex person. I can't been trying to figure them out for years, man. It's like, I hear you, but in all seriousness, to get away from the just the joke, the joke about it. It's like we we have it's good to have this appreciation. Yeah. It's like there's all kinds of things that can be stirring and operating inside the thinking and the mind and the emotions of your spouse. And that's where the grace part and then trying to learn and figure out who we are as people is going to help us connect and it's going to help us, you know, have such a healthier marriage. Yeah. It's it's funny because I think there's a lot of times that you don't even recognize some of the things that are going on in your in your mind. You know, I was going to go on to this next thing of, you know, next question of am I making assumptions? And I I'm kind of like laughing because I think back to um I don't know, several years ago, again, I'd gone through my next level life event and I was learning about these assumptions that I was making that I didn't even know that I was making. And so one day, Joel comes home from work and I'm just like, I'm exhausted. I have little kids and this was before fostering, but I was like, I have little kids and this house isn't clean and we've been all over the place and we've done all these things. And he's going to come home and be like, so what'd you do today? And I received that as, was I productive enough or whatever? And with my root system, I just had this assumption that he wanted the house clean, that he wanted that done when he came home. Well, I asked the question, I'm like, is it important to you that the house is clean when you come home? And his response was something along the lines of, well, it's nice when it's done, but I mean, I'd rather have you be happy than have a clean house. And I was like, wait a minute, back the train up. I don't have to have the house spotless. I mean, that just took so much stress off of me. I mean, I like a clean house too, so I still wanted it done. But it was like, wow, I was making this assumption that it was important to him or that I would be letting him down if it wasn't done. And I didn't even know I was making the assumptions. So I think sometimes we can assume somebody's expectations or we can assume in a fight or in something that your spouse says that they have bad intentions. And maybe in that you think, I'm being judged. They don't like me. They don't like the way that I'm doing this or whatever. When the fact is, none of that is true. You're just making an assumption. Another question to ask is, am I believing any lies? Joel has a great story about this. You want to take this? Yeah. So years ago, um, I was working and I was working late. And um, we have this thing where I always text. By the way, guys, if you all can hear kids in the background, it's because we're recording this at our, our, we're able to get away for the weekend and their kids are outside playing. And so that's just part of life. So they're in the background. You get to listen to their joy and cheers they run around with Thatcher the dog you know so, what I was just thinking though I'm totally gonna that? is we like talk about how we're getting away for the weekend all the time people we do these in batches I know <laughs> so it sounds like, like do you all actually away. parent your kids we don't go away every weekend <laughs> yeah this is like a few times a year that we're blessed to be able to do this and this is when we record this show so it's like we work a little bit while we're away <laughs> But this is actually fun for us um, to create these episodes and talk through all this stuff. Anyway, back uh, to your story. So anyways, back to the story. Years ago, I left work. <laughs> That's so, I'm so glad you pointed that out. I was like, so see how that could come across to people. It's like, you guys are always on vacation. 
Um, you just make this stuff up. <laughs> so um, I left work and I always text Mary Beth and that I'm coming home. And I always say on way. That's what I say every single time. Well, I'm leaving work and I'm leaving later than normal. And this was, I can't remember how long ago this was. Well, I send the text and then I get down the interstate, get to the exit. And she sends, she's has sent a text back. And you said, I'm really struggling with how late you're leaving tonight. And immediately trigger. I'm triggered. And I immediately go to my guilt. I have failed and disappointed my wife response. Well, in the we've had work and help and healing and growth up to this point. So in the past, I would have also gone to a place of anger and how can I get out of this and just make pin it on her that somehow she's the problem in this situation because of how she's feeling and that's not my fault. And I, that's where I would have gone. Um, and that's a very immature high eye with my root system kind of response that I would have done. And it, it's, it, it totally disregards her emotions and leaves her feeling unloved and like crap. And I was very good at doing stuff like that for a long time. So I get this response in, my, in me. I'm triggered and now I'm re- emotionally responding. A few minutes later, I'm home. By that point, she's texted another, another sent another text and said, I'm also not going to go for a run. And I'm like, well, that's great. Now, I've ruined that now, too, that she wanted to do that. And now I've taken that away from her. Well, I get home, park, walk up to the door, and she meets me at the door. And you said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go. I've changed my mind. I'm going to go for a run. I think it'd be best for everybody <laughs> if I did. <laughs> and I agreed. And I said, well, <laughs> I and agreed. I was like, She's well, go. <laughs> I was like, well, just, okay, then you go. And I was in a place of whatever Mary Beth needed in that moment. I was going to give it. So it was like, you go, you do that. And so she was gone for a while. I fed dinner to the kids, which you'd already made. And I smartly <laughs> waited until you got home to eat dinner because I was like, we need to now sit down together and have a connected experience. I'm not going to, in my mind, compound the problem with, oh, and we all ate dinner while you were away, including me. And I'm just, I'm supposing these things upon myself. Not that it would have mattered that much to you, but that's what I chose to do. So you're gone a long time. And I'm sitting there on the floor um, with the kids and we're getting closer to bedtime and you're gone so long that in my mind, I thought two things. One is that you were out there trying to process and work through your own emotions and thinking because I knew that well enough about you at this point because that's where we were and with our practicing of our learning and, and growth of ourselves and Um, and overcoming our own poor responses. And we were down the road some on this journey. And I thought, that's what you're doing, because I had seen you do this so many times. And two, you've called Heather. And a little while later, you walk up the driveway, and you were on the phone with Heather. And you were, which because Heather is one of your best friends and an accountability partner for you. And you were doing your thing. So that's all of what's gone on up to this point. Um, And so we'll pick up the story here in just a little bit, but I want to lay out the story because I want to, this is really introducing a lot of what happened here. So I had contributed to conflict by leaving late from work and not communicating soon enough that I was going to be there. Hey, I'm going to be here longer because I was working on this thing um, and I wanted to get all this information out of my brain and onto this whiteboard and yada, yada, yada. And so I contributed to conflict in that way. And then I get down the interstate. I get your text. I get home. 
and then we're off to the races here. So all that happens. So you can see I'm triggered, Mary Beth is triggered, and when we're triggered, we have bad responses and contribute to conflict. So up to this point, I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling like I have failed. I feel I am struggling with feeling like I have disappointed you. I'm feeling like a bad person in this place. This is where a lot of people can swing to defensiveness, anger, lash out, like I described how the old Joel would respond to situations like this. But also, yeah. you're triggered as well. Well, and I'm also triggered. And so I send the text and, you know, I'm like, in the old me would have been like either one, sweep it all under the rug and just ignore it and let it build up until I completely lash out. Or two, maybe I've built, you know, maybe that has happened and now I'm lashing out and I'm just like, you're always doing this and, you know, just going at you. And so like, that's the old versions of ourselves and how we handle that. Yeah. And we look and see how fast we get to those emotions. Oh yeah. So fast. Because I went uh, without even thinking, hmm, you should feel like you've disappointed your wife. It just happens. It's just boom. That's exactly where I went. So for you, like I get to the door and you're clearly angry. Like that was clear that you were upset and you were angry and probably feeling hurt all at the same time. Yeah. But your face was one of anger because the trigger happened and boom, there came the emotion and here came all the thinking. And I like to describe emotions and thinking as more like a quilt. They just are all happening almost, almost at the same time that we're feeling things and we're thinking things all because of the trigger and where our brain will habitually go to. Yeah. So now let's talk about restarting communication. Like when you're when you're communicating with your spouse and you've been triggered and you've end up in conflict and you end up with all these poor responses and there's accusation and hurt feelings and you know, you always do this and we can never talk about anything and and all this bad stuff and wrong responses that are happening. That ideally, again, kind of to review a little, ideally, we both will recognize the triggers and that we're both in bad places and we need to pause the conversation. Mm-hmm. We need to pause it. That's the best thing that you can do at times is somebody be like, okay, we need to come back to this later because we're now, we're not going to, we're no longer communicating probably about the topic that we were talking about before. We're now talking about each other. Yeah. And it's in bad ways. Yeah. We're mudslinging, we're being, we're being unhealthy, and we're being toxic in ways. We've got to stop. To continue that on is a total waste of time, and it's only going to hurt your relationship and hurt each other. And we've got to stop. So then, if, unless you have the ability to manage through it in the moment, which some people do, a lot of people, in my experience, most people do not know how to do that well. So we've got to throw a flag, to use a sports analogy. We've got to pause And then we're going to come back and regroup. Now, what happens when we restart communication? So when communication goes bad, we need to communicate about communication. That's what we need to do. Talking about the topic anymore is a waste of time. Yeah, I feel like if you do that, you're just going to end up back where you were. Exactly right, because you've got to regroup. So let's now you're coming back and you need to communicate about communication. 
If you can do this without regrouping, wonderful. Get the concept of what we're saying here. But we need to now communicate about the communication, which can actually be the hardest thing because it, it requires you to be vulnerable. It requires you to be willing to admit mistakes. So a lot of people don't communicate about the communication. They try to come back in a very guarded way and let's just, well, you know, let's just do that again and, you know, let's talk about the the, the trip or that we were talking about or let's talk about how your day at work was or whatever it may be or tell me again about how, how it was with the kids today. And we just get back into the topic and we don't learn anything from how we actually communicated. And we need to do this. This is so healthy to do this. So communicate about communication, not about the topic. So this is where starting with tone. Tone matters immensely. Some people more than others. Um, tone can be, you want to go ideally to a kind, gentle, normal, calm, conversational tone of voice now, where prior to this, you were probably yelling, screaming, insulting or whatever it may be and every every because all the emotion was heightened either that or even just like um snarky you know just the snippy comments yep. you know that all that stuff is just yeah so now all that has got to go we can't have that so now we're coming back and we're starting with how are we communicating well to many people tone of voice matters a lot because tone can carry softness and tone can carry barbs to some people. You probably know, listening to this, oh, yep, tone does matter immensely to my spouse. They've told me that before, and you probably get this. So watch your tone. And the next thing to go to is each person share how you contributed to conflict before. And this is where the vulnerability comes in. And this is where we have to kill pride and be able to share, yeah, this is what I'm recognizing in, in when we broke and we now we've regrouped, but when I was thinking about this, this is what I was doing that was contributing to conflict. I'm sorry for the way that I spoke to you and the words that I used or my snarkiness or my my lash out or whatever it may be. Um, it's a, that wasn't right of me. And so you're, what the concept is you're recognizing like this was poor on your part and you're sharing it so your spouse hears you and they know that you recognize it and then you're apologizing for these things. So another thing to share is to share what you were struggling with in the conversation without attacking and accusing this time. (laughs) You're going to share like, this is what I was struggling with. This is how, wow, I ramped up. And because sometimes it's a slow cooker and you start to feel the anger or you start to feel the stress building in the conversation and then you keep going and you keep going with it and you keep going with it and you keep going with it and eventually it's like, boom, now it's becoming accusational and attacking. Or if you're the person that shuts down, this is where you shut down. So this is you share what you're struggling with in the conversation without attacking and accusing and you're apologizing for stuff. Of being like, yep, this is what I was struggling with and this is what I did as I was communicating. When it now became super personal, no longer were you talking about the topic. And you are so massively owning your part and apologizing for it. Yeah, when you're having that conversation, especially if one person is sharing, this is what I was struggling with, that in itself can be a trigger for the other person. And so that soft tone is so, so important 
to to be gentle and to say it not an accusatory way. I mean, if somebody takes it badly and you really were not accusing them, you're just saying, I was struggling with this, that really is on them and that is something they need to work through. But what our goal here for this episode is just for us to recognize our own ways that we're contributing to that conflict so that we can learn and grow from that. So assuming that both of us have now done this well and we've communicated well about communication, we've owned our stuff, we've apologized, now we can pick up the topic again. Now we can come back to it. So this is where you start to practice better communication from what you've just learned in the debrief. That's why communicating about communication is so powerful. It's because now we can apply what we learned rather than doing the thing I demonstrated before, which is we regroup and now it's say, okay, so share with me again about the topic. It's like, it's like, it's sometimes like that's not what you need to do. You need to, you got to come back and communicate about communication. So now you're practicing what you just learned from each other. You practice, no, you probably learned something about your spouse, even in that debrief of how did the communication go. So along the way here, ask each other questions. Ask questions of each other because before you were probably defensive or you were just giving statements or opinions about the topic that you were on rather than asking questions about why, you know, why was that struggle or why do you want to do that over this thing or whatever it may be. But it's gain perspective from each other rather than statement, 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 opinion, 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 statement, accusation, attack, and here we go. And we're off to the races again. So gain perspective from each other with questions. A next step is that as you're communicating and if and when back in this conversation, you get triggered by what your spouse is saying, we go back to these same steps of recognizing I'm triggered. Gosh, I'm upset again. I'm angry again in this conversation let's go back through the steps. We may need to pause again, depending on how emotional the topic is or just, I don't know, just what the topic is for you. You may have to come back at this several times to be able to have a quality conversation with it, but don't try to power through while being unhealthy and toxic because what goal are you going to get to? You're not going to get to the goal you want. Yeah. You're not going to take a toxic highway and get to the beautiful destination of we finally reached a, this is just what we need to go do. And then what happened along the way? I don't, I'm mad and now I feel hurt. Or now yeah. there's, we've created a gap Yeah, you've in created our a level of division in the marriage. Yeah, exactly. So now let me finish telling you guys the rest of the story that I was, Mary Beth and I were telling you earlier about the whole conflict that we were having over me leaving late. Now the situation is that Mary Beth is back in the house. After talking with Heather, she comes back in the house, we get the kids down to bed, and then, because we haven't had dinner yet, she's in the kitchen, I walked up behind you, and I put my arms around your waist, and I said, I'm sorry for how late I left. And the reason I remember this story so well is because it was, it's, I've told it so many times in coaching couples and coaching people that I remember the details so, so well. It's funny. It's so I, funny. I'm like, I'm like, you don't even going, remember I don't, this. I don't remember these details. I know. You don't even remember it. No. But I've used this as a as an example for so many couples because it demonstrates these points we're making um, pretty well and how they've played out in our relationship. So I tell you, I apologize, you know, for leaving so late. And then you flipped around and you looked at me and you asked, 
you know, what kept you so late? And I explained what the project was that I was working on. And I said, but still, I shouldn't have done that. I should have ended it and then came home at earlier and told you I was coming home and all these things that I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done these things. And I apologize for not doing that. And so you're hearing me also take responsibility mm-hmm. for me. What am I not doing that old Joel will have done? Oh, you aren't like dismissing my feelings or accusing me or blaming me or you're just being emotional. I have to work. You know, like there was there was none of that. Yeah, exactly. But that's but that was my go to playbook. Right. Because that was all self-protection and immaturity in my personality style. But it was all self-protection. Now, here's the thing. All those same feelings and triggered response were the same. I still felt guilt like a failure and like I disappointed you. All that used to be there in the past as well. But now my path is totally different of now how I communicate now with the trigger and with those same emotions because now I've learned stuff. And now I, and I make different decisions as a result of that of what's healthy and what's unhealthy. So then I share all that. And then you shared what? Well, I shared that it's so funny because I'm like, you had to remind me of this story because I didn't remember it. But I was feeling this this lie of work is more important to you than me and your kids. And it was a lie that I had believed for a long time. And I didn't even, I think I probably recognized it a little bit, but once I went for that walk and was talking to Heather. I was just like, okay, first of all, that isn't true. But these actions that had happened over time, it wasn't the first time. It built up this thing in my mind of you're going to put work in front of your family. Forever. Forever. And so it was, it was a struggle. And so when I recognized, okay, that's actually not true. I am important to you. I am more important to you than your job. But I had to work through all of that. And so I was able to come back and be like, this is what I was struggling with. Yeah. And you shared that. We talked a little bit more about it. And then the conversation ended in... Well, it ended with you saying, okay, I'm going to aim to leave work at this time each day. And I was like, okay. And I said, okay. Yeah. And that's how we ended it. Rather than in the past, the triggers and then our collective wrong responses would have led to even more wrong responses, more self-protection, more accusation, more attack, and more division in our relationship. And all of it left unresolved. Guys, Mary Beth and I get it that that's where some of you all may be. Yeah. Is Joel Meredith, we don't resolve anything. One of us has to suck it up and live in the feeling defeated, feeling unheard, misunderstood, that help is available, guys. Help is available. You know, at some point, it's like we would love to be able to provide more help like that. But help is available for things like this that we all come from backgrounds, we all have root systems, we all have immaturity and personality styles, and we all probably lack a lot of self-awareness in certain areas of who we are as people. So we slam each other together in a marriage, and we expect that this thing's supposed to work. 
and it's supposed to work well. You know what we don't plan for are these kinds of things, and we don't plan for the stressors and the triggers, and then, you know, we don't we don't expect, like, you know what, this is going to happen, and this is how I'm going to respond, and it's going to be really poor. We don't even think about that stuff until it happens. And now we're trying to do this hard thing, which is get two people together in a context of fostering that's full of difficulty and stressors and say, that's supposed to work well. This is hard. We're hard. People are difficult. Relationships are difficult. That's why it is imperative that we continue to pursue help. I'm so glad that you all listened to this show and Mary Beth and I are honored that you even say no to other things to say yes to 30 to 50 minutes or so to listen to one of these episodes or a bunch of them, that you're, you're doing the right things. And this has nothing to do with us. This has a, you're pursuing, you're pursuing education and growth and you're rejecting the status quo, which is do nothing and stay in the same situation. So for that, it's like, we're, we're very proud of you and we're doing that too. And we never proclaim to have everything mastered or have everything's figured out, but we have found a lot of success uh, utilizing the tools that we've learned, especially when it comes to understanding our root systems and our personality styles and the triggers that we have as individuals and then the wrong responses that can come after those triggers. And then now we're able to practice this stuff. And it's why that we don't struggle with a massive amount of conflict in our marriage. Um, or I don't think we'd, we would never be able to do projects like the Fostering Marriage podcast because yeah. we'd never be able to build a script together. Yeah. Well, the thing that you know I was thinking about is that was how many years ago? I don't even know. And that is a lie that's not, it hasn't even crossed my mind in years at this point because we continue to practice these things and we continue to work on them and we continue to improve. So do we have conflict? Sure, from time to time, but it's fewer and it's handled better the longer we go and the more that we practice this stuff. So we hope that that is an encouragement for you. By no means is it meant to be a boast or a look how great we are. If it comes across that way, I apologize if it comes across that way. It is meant to be a demonstration of practicing the kinds of things that we teach on this show. It's not to be a point to ourselves. It's meant to be to show these things can actually be done. Yeah, it can improve that and communication can get better. We don't come from the perfect families <laughs> no. with the perfect upbringings and the perfect... We come from plenty of stuff because our parents weren't perfect and our lives haven't been perfect and we've both gone through hard things and hurtful things, but we've pursued healing and growth and intervention and then now we are determined to practice the things that we know work. And so that's all we're doing is we're practicing. It's not about perfection. It's about practice. And that's what we encourage you guys to do as well. Yeah, personal growth and self-awareness, it takes time. It takes practice. But it's essential to your marriage and parenting. So guys, if you enjoy this podcast, rate and review it where you listen. It helps other fostering families find it. And follow us on Facebook at Fostering Marriage. As always, we hope this has been helpful for you. Join us on the next episode of the Fostering Marriage Podcast. Thank you.